ولا يشترط التثبيت ولا التعيين في أداء رمضان والمنظور المعين زمانه والنفل فيسح بنية من الليل إلى الضحة الكبرى من الليل إلى الضحة الكبرى okay. So this means uh, the following The intention of fasting. All types of fast require an intention. Uh, the following, this is a good, um, he paraphrased it to make it more clear. The following types of fast require an intention and specification of the type of fast as well as that the intention be made the previous night before Fajr yet after Maghrib. So these ones. Uh, they require an intention and specification of the type of fast and the intention has to be made after Maghrib and before Fajr those are makeup, makeups from Ramadan makeups from voluntary fast that one invalidated fast of expiation and unspecified vows that is the person vowed to fast but they didn't specify like the day that they were going to fast or something like that so they need to specify it in all of these cases because these are things that basically uh, have to be done but their time is not specified okay they have to be done but their time is not specified or I should say, it'd be more accurate, they have to be done and their time is not specified. Okay? So these are fasts that have to be done and their time is not specified. The second group is the following types of fasts require neither specification of the type of fast, nor that the intention be made the previous night before Fajr. Rather, the intention may be made any time from the previous night until before Dahat al-Kubra. So any time um, after Maghrib and until Dahat al-Kubra, which is determined by dividing the time between the entrance of Fajr and that of Maghrib by half. If the intention of fasting the entire day is performed before Dahat al-Kubra, Dahwa kubra the above three types of fasts are valid, otherwise they are not. Another way of determining Dahwa kubra is to divide the entire prayer time of Fajr from the dawn until sunrise by half uh, this amount of time this amount of time before midday is dahwa kubra oh that's interesting so what's important about that is that it's not dhuhr it's not dhuhr okay it's the it's it's actually generally slightly before dhuhr so if it says if you use that second method take from fajr to sunrise and cut that in half and it's that much time before midday so midday is usually just a couple minutes before Dhuhr let's say Dhuhr is 105 
midday is 1, and Fajr comes in at 5, and exits at 6. So you take half an hour before 1, so 12.30, that would be Dahu Kubra. So in these ones, these are fasts that are either required and their time is specified, or they're fasts that are not required. So, you know, they don't need that specification. So Ramadan fast during the month of Ramadan because there's nothing else that you could be fasting. If you're fasting, that's that's what you're doing. That time is specified for that act. And specified vows, so you pledge to fast on a particular day. You vow to fast on a particular day. So it's, that time has now been occupied with that worship. Or voluntary fasts where you don't have that same level of specificity required anyways. So the first category where you have to specify the niyyah sometime before Maghrib and Fajr are fasts that are required. Um, they're re- what do we say? They're required and um, their time is not specified. And the second group are fasts that are either required and their time is specified or they're not required fast. Okay, so these are the two categories. Faslun yathbutu Ramadan biru'yati hilalihi aw bi'addi sha'bana thalathin wa la yusamu yawm shakki illa tatawu'an وَإِذَا كَانَ بِالسَّمَاءِ عِلَّةٌ قُبِلَ لِرُؤْيَةِ هِلَالِ رَمَضَانِ خَبَرُ عَدْلٍ وَلَوْ قِنَّا أَوْ امْرَأَةٍ وَشَهَادَةُ الْفِطْرِ بِشَهَادَةِ حُرَّيْنِ أَوْ حُرٌّ وَحُرَّتَيْنِ وَإِذَا لَمْ يَكُنْ بِالسَّمَاءِ عِلَّةٌ فَلَا بُدَّ مِنْ جَمْعِ جَمْعٍ عَظِيمٍ لَهُمَا وَالْأَضْحَى كَالْفِطْرِ وَسَائِرِ الْأَهِلَّة So this is on seeing seeing the moon. The beginning of the month of Ramadan is established either by sighting the crescent moon, that is, at night, day sightings are not given consideration, sighting it at night, or by the completion of 30 days of Shaban. So either we see the moon on the night of, well, the night after the 29th of Shaban, or we complete 30 days of Shaban, and we know the next day is the first of Ramadan. One may not fast on the day of doubt, Yom Shek, except as a voluntary fast. Yom Shek refers to the day after the 29th of Shaban, yet for one reason or another, the crescent moon is not cited by reliable witnesses. Hence, there is doubt as to whether it is the 30th of Shaban or the first of Ramadan. Okay, so 29th passes, nobody saw the moon, but you're not really sure because nobody saw it. Um, If it's the first of, maybe there was like, you know, there's some sort of doubt as to the day. Except as a voluntary fast, one may fast on this day only if with a firm intention of the fast being voluntary. So you can't, it can't be fasted like, oh, maybe it's Ramadan. I'm going to fast this just in case and like you know if it's Ramadan let it fall on Ramadan and if it's if it's optional then let it fall on optional if you're going to fast that day it has to be with the firm intention that this is an optional fast 
It's really interesting, actually, because you know what people would do if that wasn't specified. Everyone would be adding a day to Ramadan, basically, you know, out of, out of, uh, you know, cautiousness and so on. People, so many people would be adding a day to Ramadan, essentially, um, and that's not what we're supposed to be doing. For the beginning of Ramadan, if there is an obstruction in the sky, such as cloudiness or fog. Then the sighting of one upright person is sufficient, even if a slave or woman. So for beginning Ramadan, if there is an obstruction in the sky, then the sighting of one upright person is sufficient. For the completion of Ramadan, however, if there is an obstruction in the sky, there must be at least two free male witnesses, or one male and two females. If there is no obstruction in the sky, then there must be a large body of people that sight the new crescent. This applies to any month, its start or end. So, when we begin, the um, the standard of what's required is a little bit lower. Is a little bit lower because you know to err on the side of starting is uh, is not really an issue. You know, if you start early. And you started early. Um, with the with the ru'ya, not just out of like uh, feeling like it. But when it comes to the month ending in Ramadan, then um, when it comes to the month ending, then the standard is a little bit higher. Because we want to make sure that it's actually come to an end. Um, however, if this is in the case that there's an obstruction in the sky, if it's a clear night or something, then it needs many witnesses. Many witnesses should be seeing it. Okay, moon sighting for Eid al-Adha, as well as every lunar month, takes the same ruling as that of Eid al-Fitr. Okay, namely the requirement of two female witnesses or one male and two females if there is no obstruction if there is an obstruction in the sky and a large body of people if there is no obstruction so this is uh, again what we mentioned mm. Good question. What are the, what is the description of a righteous person, um, or an upright person? Generally, the definition of an upright person, Adil, is that they are. Um, that there's someone who stays away from major sins and is not persistent in minor sins. Meaning they might do them sometimes, but they're not like always doing them. That's generally the definition of someone who's adin. Um But I don't know if there's like time changes on that. Um, but usually that's the definition you get.
فصلون في المفسدات فصلون في المفسدات أفعال الصائم ثلاثة منها ما يجب كفارة وقضاء ومنها ما يجب قضاء بدون كفار ومنها ما لا يجب لا يجب شيئا ومنها ما يجب الكراهة فإن أكل أو شرب غذاء أو دواء أو جامع في أحد السبيلين عمدا قضى وكفر فيحرر رقبة فإن لم يجد فصيام شهرين متتابعين فإن لم يستطع يتعم ستين مسكينا لكل نصف لكل نصف ساعة من بر وإن فعل ذلك ناسيا بأن أكل أو شرب أو جامع ناسيا لا شيء عليه وإن ذاق شيئا أو مضغه بلا عذر أو قبل ولم يأمن كره وإن أمن الجماع والإنزال بالقبلة فلا يكره والحجامة والفصد إن لم تدعف لا يكره ولا يكره السواك ولو آخر النهار والمضمضة والاستنشاق ووضع ثوب مبتل على جسده للحر وإن احتقن أو استعط أو وصل إلى جوفه ما لا يؤكل كتراب أو سبق ماء المضمضة حلقه خطأ أو أكره على الإفطار أو لم يبيت النية فأكن بعدما نوى نهارا أو أنزل بمس أو قبلة أو أدخل في دبره ماء أو أدخل أحد في جوفه ماء وهو نائم أو استقاء فعليه القضاء بدون كفارة ويستحب السحور وتأخيره وتأجيل الفطر إذا لم يكن بالسماء غيم وإذا فسر صومه أو قدم من سفره بعد فطره أو الطهرات حائض أو النفساء أو أسلم الكافر أو بلغ الصبي لزم إمساك بقية اليوم وعليه من قضاء إلا الأخيرين Things that invalidate the fast Actions of one who is fasting are divided into four categories so he says also here that this section has been rearranged in translation for clarity. Okay. Four categories. Number one, those that require a makeup as well as expiation. Number two, those that require a makeup without expiation. Number three, those that require nothing and are not disliked. And number four, those that require nothing yet are disliked. Okay, these are the four possibilities. First one, those that require a makeup as well as expiation. If one eats or drinks something of nutritional value, i.e. something customarily eaten, or something for medicinal purposes, or if one has sexual intercourse in either of the two passages on purpose, then he must make up the fast as well as perform expiation, which is to free a slave. If he does not have one, he must fast two consecutive months. If he is genuinely unable, then he must feed 60 poor people a half saw, 2.2 kilograms of wheat, or give its equivalent monetary value to each person. So, what are the, condi- what are the comments on this? On the first, uh, nutritional value, something that's customarily eaten. 
Sheikh Faraz says, as opposed to, for example, stones or uncooked dough or flour, as ingesting such things only necessitates a makeup, not expiation. Yet doing so without a valid excuse would still be sinful. Okay, so these things are not customarily eaten if they if they're ingested. Um, then one has to, one is sinful and they have to make it up, but they don't have to do the kafara. Uh, as regards to if one has sexual intercourse in either of the two passages on purpose, he says this stipulation applies to any one of the three acts, namely eating, drinking, or intercourse. It serves to exclude doing so out of forgetfulness, in which case the fast is not nullified. By mistake or under coercion, the latter two cases requiring a makeup, yet no expiation. For this entire chapter, any action mentioned as nullifying the fast only does so if one did that act while remembering that he was fasting. So all of these things only apply if that nullifying act was done while the person remembered that they were fasting. Uh, then he must make up the fast, so on and so forth. And for feeding the people, uh, or for the expiation, expiation is mandatory only if one had the intention to fast before Fajr, and only if no sickness severe enough uh, before expiation is mandatory only if one had the intention to fast before Fajr, and only if no sickness severe enough to otherwise absolve one from fasting nor menstruation or postnatal bleeding occurred later that day before Maghrib. If one of those did occur that day, or if the intention were made after Fajr that day, then no expiation is required. However, of course, breaking one's fast without a valid excuse would still be gravely sinful. Finally, expiation is legislated only for breaking fast in Ramadan, not outside of the month, even if makeup, even if makeups for Ramadan. Okay. Even if makeups for Ramadan. Out of forgetfulness, forgetfulness in this context means forgetting that one is fasting, not forgetting that such an act breaks the fast, which would still invalidate the fast. So forgetting that you're actually fasting, not forgetting that you're not supposed to be doing that particular thing. If one breaks the fast out of forgetfulness, such as by eating or drinking, then although the fast is not nullified, he must stop that act immediately upon remembering that he is fasting. If he fails to do so and continues eating or drinking, uh, the fast would be nullified. If someone else sees the person eating or drinking, he must remind him of the fast, as it is prohibitively disliked to not remind him unless the person is weak, such as a very old person. So that's an important note, that if someone sees them fasting, they know that they're fasting, they have to tell them, unless they're really old. Okay. Uh, so these are, this is all in the category of those that require a makeup as well as expiation. Those that require a makeup without expiation. Next category is those that require a makeup without expiation. First is use of a suppository. Use of a suppository. 
Next is something not normally eaten, nor used for medicinal purposes, like dirt reaching the body cavity. So it's not usually eaten, nor is it used for medicinal purposes. So it's not it's not fulfilling the conditions of the one before it. It's not fulfilling the conditions of the one before it. Okay. Um, Next is accidentally swallowing water while rinsing the mouth. So this requires makeup but not expiation. Next is being coerced to break one's fast. Like being forced. Next is eating even if intentionally in the daytime for a fast in which the person did not make the intention before fajr. Next is ejaculation due to touching or kissing. Next is someone pouring water into the body cavity of a sleeping person. It's messed up. <laughs> someone pouring water. It's like, what would happen at a d- if you had daytime slumber parties for Ramadan? This is the kind of thing. This is the prank of a daytime slumber party in Ramadan. That'd be messed up. Uh, or uh, in another, someone pouring water into the body cavity of a sleeping person. Meaning the sleeping person must make up the day without expiation. And self-induced vomiting, a mouthful or more. Self-induced vomiting, a mouthful or more. So these all have clarifying comments in the footnotes, so let's look at them. Uh, as for use of a suppository, he says, both the vagina and the anus are deemed passageways into the body through which the entrance of a foreign substance could vitiate the fast. The distance within each that the substance would have to reach to do so is the size of a suppository. Hence, Placing anything wet with water, oil, or the like, even a wet finger, that distance inside either orifice vitiates the fast. Likewise, the complete insertion of a solid substance such that it disappears into either orifice vitiates the fast. So those things would break the fast. Something not normally eaten, we covered, as doesn't have a comment. Accidentally swallowing water while rinsing the mouth, or accidentally ingesting water while rinsing the nose. So maybe like you do that somehow. Both of those would be, they break the fast, but they don't require kafara. They don't require expiation. Uh, ejaculation due to touching or kissing, um, as opposed to ejaculation due to looking or thinking or having a wet dream, neither of which vitiate the fast. So neither of those have like a physical action that's intentional, that's related to them. So they don't, vitiate the fast but to do so out of touching or kissing would break the fast but not require kafara because the kafara is specific to um, is is specific to uh, intercourse um, okay uh, 501 is Self-induced vomiting, which means the only uh, the the only other case whereby vomiting breaks the fast is as if one naturally vomits a mouthful or more, and then purposefully re-swallows it. In that case, the fast must be made up. Yet there is no expiation. The criteria of a mouthful is that is that one's mouth cannot hold cannot withhold the vomit without strain. So, like vomiting not induced. Uh, or not in 
uh, not induced, less than a mouthful, doesn't break the fast. Uh, if it's if it's self-induced, it breaks the fast, requiring makeup but not expiation. If it's um, not self-induced and it's more than a mouthful and the person re-swallows it, then it also breaks the fast but does not require expiation. Okay, There are more cases that break the fast but do not require expiation that he mentions in this next footnote. It's a long one, so bear with me, inshallah. First is that he mentions depositing oil or medicine into the ear, whether intentionally or not. With regard to depositing water into the ear, there is agreement that it does not break the fast if unintentional. If done intentionally, the opinion given preference in the Hidayah and Tabin and other texts is that it does not invalidate the fast. This is deemed a sound and follow followable position. Mm. Next is unintentionally ingesting rain, snow, or blood from outside the mouth that enters one's mouth on its own. So you're walking and you're talking and all of a sudden it's raining and while you're walking and you're talking some rain falls in your mouth and you swallow it by accident. Unintentionally ingesting rain, snow, or blood. The same applies to tears or sweat if one tastes the saltiness throughout the mouth and then unintentionally swallows. If one intentionally does any of the above, any of the above, then both a makeup and expiation are required. If one bleeds from within the mouth, then if the saliva becomes red or pink as a result and is swallowed, the fast is broken and must be made up without expiation. If the saliva is yellow or clear, it may be swallowed and the fast remains valid. So all of you know, a lot of these things kind of they're going to take some review. They're very detailed. They take some review. Ingesting leftover food in one's mouth that amounts to the size of a chickpea or more. If it amounts to less, the fast is not invalidated and hence no makeup is required. So if there's food that's left like in the teeth and so on, and it's less than a chickpea, then uh, it doesn't require, it doesn't break the fast. But if it's more, um, if it's equal to or more, then it breaks the fast and requires expiation. It requires um, making it up, but no expiation. <coughs> Intentionally inhaling or ingesting smoke without enjoyment or benefit, dust, water vapor, steam, such as from cooking or a bath, or a fly, intentionally inhaling a fly. You don't want to avoid that. If one inhales smoke with, that, with enjoyment or for benefit, then both a makeup and expiation are required. If, however, one in unintentionally inhales or ingests smoke, dust, water vapor, steam, or a fly, if such things are in the air, and one is simply trying to breathe, then the fast is not invalidated, and hence no makeup is required. This criteria applies to inhaling anything with a physical body such that one can actually see it in the air. However, if one intentionally inhales scented air that has no physical body, such as the scent of musk or a flower, then the fast is not invalidated and hence no makeup is required. Okay. 
again take some review there's a lot of details there it takes some review those that require nothing and are not disliked they require nothing and they're not disliked this is category number three blood cupping hijama or drawing blood as long as it does not weaken the person Next is using the tooth stick, siwak, even if used at the end of the day. This note about even if used at the end of the day is because in some of the other schools, it's disliked to use it uh, after the middle of the day. So it's specifying that even if at the end of the day, it's not disliked to use the siwak. Number three is rinsing the mouth or nose without any water proceeding down the throat. And the last is placing a wet garment on one's body or taking a bath due to heat. Okay, so as for the, the cupping or drawing blood, it says, as it is disliked to do anything that one thinks will weaken him to the point of breaking the fast, lest he do so due to that weakness. So if there's something that could weaken the person such that they would need to break the fast, then that needs to be avoided. So that's a condition on this one, uh, requiring nothing and not being disliked. Some more cases, uh, he mentioned some more cases of things that require nothing and are not disliked. The following are also permissible and not disliked when fasting. The entrance of water, oil, or the like into the urethra of the male organ, being in a state of ritual, major ritual impurity when true dawn enters, Oiling one's mustache or body, as absorption through skin pores does not vitiate the fast. Or applying antimony, kuhl, or the like in the eyes, as absorption through the eyes does not vitiate the fast. Based on the latter two cases, modern injections and eye drops are permissible while fasting and do not vitiate the fast. So eye drops and injections do not are permissible and do not vitiate the fast. Fourth category Those that require nothing yet are disliked They don't require makeup They don't require expiation But they are disliked If one tastes some food or chews on it Without swallowing Without a valid excuse Or if one kisses their spouse While not feeling secure from ejaculation or intercourse, it is disliked. If, however, one feels secure from engaging in intercourse or from ejaculation due to the kissing, it is not disliked. Uh, so these are uh, the footnote on that. Tasting or chewing on food without swallowing is mildly disliked unless there is a valid excuse, such as a woman tasting the food she cooks because her husband is unkind, in which case it is not even mildly disliked. It's very real. Uh, kissing here does not refer to mouth to mouth, which is always disliked, as one might swallow the other's saliva, which would vitiate the fast. It is also disliked for the two spouses to lie down or hug while naked. However, to do so while clothed or to kiss other than mouth to mouth uh, 
is based on the criterion mentioned above in the text, namely that it is not disli- that it is not disliked as long as they both feel secure from ejaculation or intercourse. Okay, so those are that last category. Then he then the author finishes this section by um, mentioning uh, other some other things. The following actions are recommended mustahab for the one fasting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. To have the pre-dawn meal, suhoor, is recommended because of the blessing in it. To delay it, yeah, breaking, uh, to delay the suhoor until shortly before fajr, yet while being certain not to swallow anything after fajr enters. If, however, one has doubt as to whether the time of true dawn has entered or not, it becomes disliked to eat. So, it becomes more cruel to eat at that point. But to delay it as much as you can. To hasten in breaking one's fast unless it is a cloudy day. Meaning, one must be certain that Maghrib has indeed entered. One must be certain that Maghrib has indeed entered. I usually give a couple minutes after Maghrib myself Some people think that's excessive But usually I wait 2 or 3 minutes I know for sure there have been times When I've looked at the horizon When Maghrib went off on my phone And uh, And not seen the entirety of the sun uh, Set So I like to give it 2-3 minutes Before I actually break my fast the fact the following actions during the day necessitate withholding imsak from anything that would vitiate the fast for the remainder of that day. So you're gonna see these are cases where um, the person's not fasting, but out of respect for the day they're supposed to withhold. So the first is if one breaks the fast, whether accidental, on purpose, or under coercion. So they break the fast for some reason, once they've broken it, they go back to not eating and drinking and so on out of uh, respecting the sanctity of the day of fasting if a person if a traveler arrives to his place of residence and was not fasting on his journey since if he were fasting then he would remain fasting obviously but if the person is traveling and they arrive during the day in Ramadan for example and they're not fasting that day then they would refrain from uh, eating and so on uh, until the day is over these are wajib to do, by the way. If a woman in menstruation or postnatal bleeding becomes pure, so she becomes pure after Fajr comes in, but uh, then, so she's not fasting, but she refrains from, um, from, from anything that would vitiate the fast for the remainder of the day. Uh, if a non-Muslim embraces Islam, the non-Muslim embraces Islam, or if a child becomes an adult, Normally, puberty for a boy is by ejaculation, and for a girl is by menstruation. If either a boy or girl has not yet reached puberty, then upon completion of 15 lunar years, 14 solar years, and 7 months, he or she legally becomes an adult. This is the position for legal verdict. That is the fatwa. 
So 15 lunar years, 14 solar years, 7 months. Person becomes uh, of age. The first three requires the first three cases require a makeup as opposed to the last two. First three cases require a makeup, meaning uh, these are cases when you would have to make up that day. If one breaks the fast, if they're a traveler, woman is on her menstruation. Whereas the one of uh, the last two do not require makeup. I think we should, we can um, do this section, inshallah. Faslun, yajuzul fitru lil muridi wiliman khafa ziyarat al maradi wal hamini wal murdi'i idha khafata ala al waladi aw al nafsi waliman hasala lahu atashun shadidun aw ju'un shadidun yakhafu minhu al halak wilin musafir wasawmu wilin musafir وصومه أحب إن لم يضره وإذا لم يدرك من أفطر لعذر عدة من أيام أخر لا يجب عليه الإيصاء بما أفطره ولا يشترط التتابع في القضاء ولمن صار فانيا الفطر والفدية لكل يوم نصف ساع من بر وللمتطوع الفطر بلا عذر في رواية والضيافة عذر للضيف والمضيف ويقضي بالشروع إلا في الأيام المنهي عنها وهي يوم العيد وأيام التشريق وإذا نظر مطلقا أو معلقا بشرط ووجد وفى به والله أعلم أوكي Okay, so these are exemptions from fasting. This section is on exemptions from fasting. The following people are exempted from fasting in Ramadan. A sick person who fears that the illness will worsen. This also includes a sick person who fears prolongation, prolongation of his illness or even a healthy person who fears becoming ill due to the fast. In either case, the fear, of course, must be a genuine fear not just mere delusion, which will come in the next note. Uh, next one that's exempt is a pregnant woman or a nursing woman with the condition for each that she have a legitimate fear for the baby or for herself. For the baby or for herself. For the sick person, pregnant woman, and nursing woman, this is in the footnote, the condition for permissibility of breaking the fast is not simply a delusion of potential harm, but rather a legitimate fear recognized by the sacred law. This entails either one, past experience, even if of someone else with the same sickness, two, an obvious sign of potential harm, or three, an opinion of a qualified Muslim physician who does not sin in public. 
The same would apply for a healthy person that has a legitimate fear based on one of the above indications or of, of becoming ill. Uh, Ibn Abidin adds that if one were to break the fast without one of the above indications, then he would have to perform expiation, while most people are unfortunately completely unaware of this ruling. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so it needs to be a legitimate fear by by some sort of uh, reasonable interpretation of fear. Okay. Number three is one who is undergoing severe thirst for which he fears death. One who is undergoing severe thirst from which he fears death. Or a traveler, yet for him to fast is more preferable if it does not harm him. The condition on the traveler is the following mentioned in the footnote. With the condition that he initiates the journey and is outside city limits or is already a traveler at the onset of Fajr. Otherwise, if he is resident when Fajr enters, then he must fast that day, even if he travels after Fajr. If he still breaks his fast, then there is no expiation, although it is sinful. Finally, unlike the above categories, the traveler cannot break the fast after having started it. So they're traveling, um, and they they fulfill all the requirements of that travel, and they decide to fast that day. If they've done that, then they cannot break it. If one who breaks the fast due to a valid excuse, as listed above, passes away before having the chance to make up the days missed, then it is not mandatory to make up those days. Meaning, he does not need to stipulate the fidya payment on their behalf in their will. Uh, so they don't have to put in their will, I missed this day and this day and this day. I was intending to make them up, but I wasn't able to. Uh, please pay fidya on my behalf. They don't have to do that if they weren't able, if they didn't get around to doing it. When making up fast in general, one does not have to perform them consecutively. The fidya payment for a very old person who is unable to fast is a half saw of wheat, 2.2 kilograms, or its equivalent monetary value for each day. Okay. As to their not fasting in the footnote, he says, with the condition that his inability to fast continue until death. Otherwise, once able, the missed fasts would have to be made up. The same ruling would apply to someone with a chronic illness Likewise, whose recovery is not expected for the remainder of his life, and were he to recover, he would have to make up the missed fast. So these are both on the assumption that their situation is going to continue until their death. So they pay fidya. If that is not expected to be the case, then they have to actually make up the fast. A person performing a voluntary fast may break it without an excuse, according to one narration. According to the stronger narration, however, one must have a valid excuse to break a voluntary fast. In any case, it would have to be made up if broken. So, practically speaking, you have to make it up either way. Uh, entertaining guests is a valid excuse for both the host and the guest. It's a valid excuse for both the host and the guest. If one breaks a voluntary fast after having started it, 
It is mandatory for him to make it up except for the days in which it is prohibited to fast, namely the two days of Eid and the three days of Tashriq. If a person makes an unspecified vow to fast, or a vow to fast upon fulfillment of a particular condition which then occurs, then he must fulfill his vow, and Allah knows best. Wallahu a'lam. Okay. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. So this brings us to I'tikaf. So next time, inshallah, we'll do I'tikaf. And that will finish the chapter on fasting and ascent to felicity. Um, at which point we will go to that PDF uh, and I'll resend it. There's a small PDF on things that uh, break the fast. And we'll go to that and inshallah um, cover that. And then we will be uh, completed with that, inshallah. Mm-hmm. Where did that thing go? Okay, any questions? Barakallahu feekum. Assalamu alaikum.